You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. There is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets. You're listening to Bloomberg UK Politics, your daily guide to the corridors of power. I'm Stephen Carroll. Here with you all by myself today, we've got lots to talk about. We're going to be talking about the cost of living crisis and figures showing that half of UK families have just £3 a week of disposable income. We'll be breaking down those latest stark figures on how inflation is affecting households across the UK. We'll be talking about the continuing controversy over Suella Braverman's reappointment to the Home Office and a looming deadline in Northern Ireland. Parties have until midnight to to form a parish sharing executive or phrase face fresh elections there. We'll be speaking to the DUP MP Carla Lockhart about that later in the programme. First though, we are starting with perhaps the biggest issue that government has to deal with, the cost of living crisis and figures showing how people are being affected across the country by that. The rate of inflation running over 10% in the UK. The Joseph Rowntree Foundation finding that 7 million families have gone without things like heating, toiletries or showers this year. While figures from the Centre for Economics and Business Research show that after essentials, um, some families having only less than £3 left of discretionary funds. Bloomberg's Olivia Gonotea-Hulu has been covering this story and looking at the details for us. Olivia, what do these figures show us exactly about the impact of, of inflation? Well, I think what it shows is that if you look at inflation and the effect that it's had on families and what they can spend, just for a certain group that have been okay up until this point, it's just completely wiped out the money which they had left at the end of the month. So basically what we looked at from data from the ESDA income tracker and CEBR was um, how much money the families have left after paying for taxes and essentials. And the basic finding was that for the bottom 20% of people for have never since about 2007 have never had enough to kind of make that. Mm-hmm. But the 20% on top of that were doing okay. Last year they had £55 left at the end of the week. That, But just over the course of the year, things have been eroded so much like wage growth and inflation have been so mismatched that that's now down to £2.66. You've been talking to some of the people that are affected by this for an article that you can find on, on Bloomberg.com. How are they coping with that situation, with that squeeze on budgets? 
it's obviously it's just it's very 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 difficult so talking to researchers and charities and the people themselves people are kind of at the ends of what they can do so I was speaking to one woman and she comes to the food bank she gets a hot meal from there it helps with kind of um, food for her children but she was just saying you know sometimes I eat once a day I used to take public transport now I take a bike we've moved into a smaller place to save on heating like to just all the imaginable things that you can do people mm-hmm. are trying to find that to cut and so there's kind of heavy reliance on charities which are there's now themselves struggling as well so it's 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 a really difficult situation these figures also showing this quite big regional differences in the, the kind of change in discretionary income that was seen certain parts of the country much worse affected than i suppose london we might imagine least least worse affected yeah exactly so there's been these regional discrepancies for a while so for example i think in the northeast you know the spending power is roughly half of what it is in london but what you're also seeing now is that there are slightly steeper kind of inroads being made in areas like the northeast in comparison to london so it's a it's an example, I guess, of those inequalities compounding with this crisis. From the people that you spoke to, are they hopeful that any help will come from politicians and government? Well, it's difficult because, for example, when I last spoke to them, Liz Truss was prime minister. And I think it was um, around the time of the budget where they were still kind of contemplating whether or not they were going to rise benefits with inflation. There's just been so much change in politics. that I think it's been really hard for charities and think tanks and people themselves to keep track of what's happening. So... I think right now, it's just all kind of a big unknown. Yeah, it certainly is. Okay, Olivia, can I say, thank you so much for coming to talk to us about that story. Let's talk about what's been happening in Westminster. As Olivia was just saying, day three for Rishi Sunak and the new Prime Minister already coming under fire from his own party, Home Secretary Suella Braverman. A controversial rehire after she was sacked by Liz Truss last week for sending out documents from her private email. Now one of her colleagues, the former Conservative Party Chairman Jake Berry, has claimed that she's made multiple breaches of the ministerial code. His replacement, the new party chair, Nadim Zahawi, has been defending Suella Braverman's reappointment. She resigned, quite rightly. The new Prime Minister looked at it and he felt that she, and as I would feel, she is allowed a second chance. So joining us in studio to discuss is Stuart Biggs, our UK government editor. Stuart, why is this particular appointment causing such a big deal? It's it's partly to do with just how uh, quickly events have moved. So Braverman was uh, resigned, yes, it's, moved, it's, it, moved yeah. on from government. Um, and was back before in, we realised it. In fairly dramatic fashion, um, a national security breach for a Home Secretary is regarded as you know, about as bad as it gets. Um, And then to sort of uh, be brought back into the same role, not even to another cabinet role or another ministerial role, but to actually the exact same role um, within, I think, six days um, is just very, very controversial. So as we're seeing now, it's not only um, Sunak's uh, political opponents, you know, in Labour or, or SNP or Lib Dems, it's coming from within the party that this is just not something that should have happened, is basically is basically what Jake Berry was saying. And that's really interesting that we're hearing that criticism because we heard it during Prime Minister's questions yesterday. This was one of the one of the lines that Keir Starmer went in on and it was something that we heard uh, Yvette Cooper talking about previously from Labour as well. Does Rishi Sunak need to keep Suella Braverman? Why is in that role... Why is she so important in this and, and why might she how might she survive this? So when when it was still the case when uh Sunak was you know not 
he hadn't won the the race at this point, and and Johnson, Boris Johnson, was sort of hanging in the wings as to whether he was going to put forward formally his candidacy. Um, there was really an open question at that point: uh, could there be a unity candidate? Could there be? Um, uh, could Sunak get enough votes to to reach that uh, threshold with Johnson sort of lurking and and Braverman's coming out in favour of Sunak was a surprise. They're not in the uh, same political wing of the party. They're mm. not, they don't, haven't historically had the same views on a range of issues. So it only made sense from the perspective of a deal. Um, and, and, and so now we're in a situation where uh, Sunak is weakened because, you know, People are starting to say, well, he only got over the line. He only managed to avoid this going to uh, grassroots Tories mm -hmm. um, by having Braverman on board. And this is the price that he's paid in order to get into 10 Downing Street. That's the argument that yeah. critics are making. We'll never know whether he could have won without her. Indeed. Um, now he's got, within three days in office, he's got a huge question over him. Uh, is you know questions about his judgment question is whether it's too great a price to have weakened himself straight out of the gate um it's going to it's going to run and run i think mm. and can do you think that he he's going to have to yield to that pressure is there any other option he has there's there's a couple of different arguments i think you know one is one is do you uh yield to the pressure and sort of um how much does that weaken him by doing that the other is you know, um, per persevering with a with an argument that's never really going to go away, and provides Labour and his opponents with a with an attack line that they can use over and over. It, it's kind of a question of of when we look at this new government as well. There were there were plenty of. I think it's fair to say there were some surprises in the the cabinet lineup that people like Suella Braverman came came back. Does it give, in some ways, the focus on Suella Braverman, does that give everyone else sort of a free pass as being like, this? the rest of this cabinet is fine and no one's focusing perhaps on some of the other appointments? It's, def it's definitely not ideal uh, for Sunak to, to have this come up so fast in his administration. On the other hand, yes, of course, it means that uh, it does take some of the pressure off in different areas. For example, there's there's more space for people to go off and and form their policies without so much scrutiny. Mm. It, Westminster is sort of notorious for fixating on a on single points, and um, that's definitely what's happening at, at, at the moment. And so, if you if you sort of map out what the admin, administration is going to be doing over the next sort of month, it's obviously building up to the fiscal plan. Um, the, but 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 this, this becomes but the this, dominant this is becoming a conversation yeah. at the moment when when perhaps there are other issues that ought to be. Um, well, uh, are, the, the well, are there policy issues that Rishi Sunak as Prime Minister is now going to have to sort of sideline or or perhaps not pay as much attention to because he's now firefighting as a new Prime Minister, uh, one of his most prominent ministers' uh, position in in office. It, yes, it's. I mean, it, you know, when these things blow up, they they do dominate. Um, time of officials and how to you know this was, this was a feature of Boris Johnson administration there was just scandal after scandal and it reached the point where you know officials hadn't spent time on anything except responding to the latest sort of revelation in in the media that needed to be sort of dealt with 
And, yeah. and so, especially, I mean, given that we were what we were just hearing from Olivia about the cost of living and, and the, the really harsh realities that people are facing, there's going to be a lot of people asking, you know, why are we not hearing more about help for cost of living? And why are we all talking about uh, Swella Bravman's job? Yeah, I think I think that's that's exactly the case. That we're raising uh, issues at the moment of of whether benefits, for example, go up in line with inflation. Uh, what happens to the energy plan after April? The energy support measures. The, these are all open questions. These are all seismic political issues. <laughs> yes, and and the issue of the triple lock of pensions, which you know has to be something that has to be decided on as well, because of course those inflation figures we were talking about are normally the ones that set the trajectory uh, for benefits as well. So that's going to be one of the big dilemmas that uh, the government is going to have to tackle. While uh, we are seeing at least the the, the moment the conversation being centred around the Home Secretary as well, Abravman and her position as uh, in in office. Uh, Stuart Biggs, our UK government editor, thank you very much for joining us to talk us through all of those details. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, 
passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Let's turn next to Northern Ireland, where the Secretary of State, Chris Heaton-Harris, says he will call an election if the parties don't form a parishing executive by midnight. Northern Ireland has been without a government since the last elections there in May, as the Democratic Unionist Party is refusing to take part over objections to the protocol that governs post-Brexit relations between the UK and the European Union. We can speak now to Carla Lockhart, who's Democratic Unionist Party MP for Upper Ban. Carla Lockhart, thank you for being with us on the programme. This deadline is looming does your party want another election? Well, we've been very clear that the calling of another election is very much in the hands of the Secretary of State. The legislation is there. Um, he has, from he took up office, been very insistent that there will be an election. We have nothing to fear from an election. Uh, in fact, um, our people and the people that that gave us the mandate in the last election, are more buoyed up with our position and the fact that we are holding to a very strong position that we will not enter the executive until the protocol, which is fundamentally impacting uh, Northern Ireland economically and constitutionally, uh, is dealt with. And and that is our uh, message to the government. Uh, An election, will it land us in any different of a place? I'm not certain it will. But it's very clear on the part of the Democratic Unionist Party that we will continue to uphold the mandate that the people have given us. OK, let's talk about the specific issues that you have with the protocol. Rishi Sunak is now going to be in charge of those negotiations. He's already spoken to Ursula von der Leyen from the European Commission about it. What do you want changed? 
Well, we have set out our very clear uh, seven principles around uh what any deal will be tested upon. We want workable solutions. We want solutions that, you know, don't impede uh, trade within Northern Ireland. We have ludicrous situations at the moment where, you know, steel coming from GB uh, comes at a tariff of 25% to Northern Ireland. We have a situation in my own constituency where uh, one of the largest potato manufacturers or potato producers um, can't get seed potatoes from Scotland. We are in a situation that come the 1st of January, we will not be able to get medicines uh, because of the protocol. These are absolutely crazy scenarios to be in. We want to see the protocol uh renegotiated we want ultimately we want to see it go because we don't believe there should be any barrier to trade between gb and northern ireland uh, because ultimately we are part of the united kingdom and we should be part of the uk's internal market without any impediment uh, to trade um however you know we we are we are negotiators we want to go in we want to try and get the best deal uh, and we are asking the government to step up to the mark here we've heard so many words but so little action but around actually dealing with the problems that I've outlined. Have Have you had any feedback from Rishi Sunak's government about this? I know they haven't been around very long, but Chris Eaton Harris is still in still in office there. Are they receptive to to your position on this? Well, ultimately, Chris Eaton Harris knows very well uh, the situation in Northern Ireland. He um, worked very closely with the Democratic Unionist Party right throughout the Brexit negotiations. Uh, he knows all too well, and he will have been listening to businesses uh, locally. He will have been listening to the words of the Holliers uh, in recent days whenever they spoke to the Lords uh, and said, you know, just how dire the situation is, how it's driving up the cost of goods in Northern Ireland. Um, so he knows all too well. He knows that they need to get this resolved. And I'm quite sure Rishi Shunak will not want this issue being um, the one issue that, that mars his uh, his time in office. Okay. So we're encouraging uh, the, the government to get on with it, get, um, get a resolution and as soon as a resolution has been found, we have said very clearly, we are devolutionists, we want devolution to work, um, but we cannot and will not go back into Stormont without a resolution to the protocol, which is fundamentally impacting Northern but Ireland economically that, and constitutionally. Well, that's where I, I want to ask you, is because the, that is fundamentally something for the London government to resolve. Why paralyze government in Northern Ireland for that end. You've communicated those goals. You say that the Chris Heaton-Harris is aware of it. That means that that's being brought up to cabinet level. You've done your job of communicating that. Why not get on with the day-to-day issues that need to be handled in Northern Ireland in a place that hasn't had a government in you know over six months? So Northern Ireland works very differently. Um, as you will know, the very building blocks of peace process in Northern Ireland was around community consensus and, and, and consensus government. It's not about a majority rules uh, government. So in this instance, there is not one unionist party, not one unionist MLA or MP supports the protocol. But Therefore, the majority of MLAs in the Assembly do support the protocol. Yeah. So, so you, you, you're underpinning my point here. 
Northern Ireland does not work on majority uh, basis. Northern Ireland works on consensus, and Northern Ireland works on cross-community consensus. And you know, that is that is the very building blocks of the Belfast Agreement, of which our peace process was established upon. So there is no cross-community consent for the protocol. Therefore, this breaches the Belfast Agreement. We cannot continue to uh, cast aside uh, the concerns of unionists uh, at a whim because that just doesn't work for government, for stable government in Northern Ireland. But there are other voices within the unionist community who say that, you know, that, that they shouldn't be blocking the restoration of power. The UUP have, have said that they, they do want to get back to government in Northern Ireland. Isn't it more make more sense for your constituents I know that you're an MP in Westminster, but is it not make more sense for your constituents for there to be a functioning government while that issue is being sorted out by those who are directly involved in it? So, well, my constituents, uh, I listen very closely to my constituents, take pride in being a very much a constituency MP. Um, the Ulster Unionists would do well to you know to engage with their constituents because I think they will find um, you know the majority of them are very much in the space of like this needs resolved and the protocol needs to uh, needs to be the protocol issue needs to be resolved. Um, if we had a functioning Stormont in the morning, you know, it wouldn't change anything because ultimately it would be. Uh, the problems emanating. Well, it, from the it would on day to day issues. Would, having no, having no. a functioning functioning operations of people being able to spend the cost of living budget that's there for the assembly to spend. There would be measures that a government that was able to take bold decisions would be able to help people who are struggling with rising prices. Well, that is where obviously you will be well aware that the Stormont government does not have the fiscal powers to raise sufficient funds to. Um, you know, really tackle the cost of living. It, it is a Westminster issue. Westminster obviously are bringing forward uh, the cost of living uh, payments also around the electricity. We have been to the fore and very much lobbying that that comes to Northern Ireland uh, quickly uh, without any impediment. If Stormont was up and running in the morning, I'm not even certain that the £400 uh, for each household would be paid as swiftly as what it will be via Westminster, because ultimately we go back to Stormont will be, the the big fall down for Stormont will be the protocol and the the differing in opinion on the protocol and the fact that, you know, know, unions don't support us. So we need to get, we need to get the protocol sorted. The protocol is impacting the cost of living. Uh, it is clearly uh, evidenced that uh, uh, that is clearly evidenced by the hauliers. Clearly evidenced. Um, so just, you, you just have to go to their supermarkets and see the products that are not available. Uh, sure, but there are there are there are business groups that that we we've spoken to on Bloomberg who who say that there are advantages to the protocol as well, and the opportunity to be able to sell into the EU single market is actually something that Northern Ireland has, the rest of the UK doesn't. You know, I just I just want to make sure that you know our listeners are aware of the latest polling on the protocol as well, um, showing that fifty four percent see it with its current grace periods as the appropriate means for managing the impact of Brexit on Northern Ireland, and fifty three percent see it as overall a good thing for Northern Ireland, whereas. 39% are of an opposite opinion. So there, there is still a, you know, a reasonable amount of support for the protocol and its efforts. And, and that, is, that is why I keep coming back to this question of 
why why not go into government now and tackle some of the day-to-day issues people are dealing with and let those who are charged with negotiating the elements that need to be negotiated to do that? So what we have at the moment is protocol light touch um, because all of the the protocol hasn't been implemented in full. Now, we have parties in Northern Ireland who have been very clear that they want to see the rigorous implementation of the protocol. We have hauliers saying that our food supplies would collapse within 48 hours if we actually saw the protocol implemented in full. We are continually working towards the end of grace periods. So you know, I mentioned previously, medicines, the grace period of medicines is due to end on the 1st of January. So we have vets on, we have uh, hospitals, uh, we have trusts, we have the Department of Health concerned about the supply of drugs We cannot continue in that cycle. So therefore, we have got to use the leverage that we have to ensure the protocol is resolved. And when the protocol is resolved, we will return to Stormont and deal with the issues at hand. Are you worried about an election? Your party lost seats in the last one. Well, look, we we have a very strong mandate um, and certainly... My sense of people on the ground is that they are very much uh, supportive of our our strong, robust position. Uh, They have recognised the need to um, hold the UK government's feet to the fire on this issue. And I believe we will uh, have the support in greater numbers from the people in the next election. Bloomberg UK Politics. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi everyone, I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.